bowel. All right, sounds good. So they found cancer in Christopher's bowel. What are they going to do with it? With the cancer? Yeah. Uh, apart from get rid of it? Yeah, they're gonna, no. They're, well, that's exactly what they're going to okay, do. Okay, good. I was like, is, there, is this a trick question? Is there a deeper meaning to They're this? going to do one of three things pretty much. They're going to cut it out, zap it, or poison it. Yep, sure. They're going to kill it. Yes. Okay, and so sin is like cancer in the universe, and it has the danger of spreading. And so the only way you can get rid of sin is to kill the sin. Yes. The problem is you can't kill the sin without killing the sinner. And this is why God says the wages of sin is death, not because God hates people who sin, but it's the only solution he has to get a, get the universe back to where it was before, where the universe is completely clean from sin. Mm. And so, um, yeah, this is why the wages of sin is death. All right, so we've we've dealt with that. The wages of sin is death. Why did Jesus have to die? Why couldn't you know? He's God. He can he can do anything. Why can't he just stand up there in heaven and proclaim that these people's <laughs> sins are forgiven? I'm going to save them. Well, I think uh, it helps to think of how you would like if a real judge here on earth were to do the same. So mm-hmm. let's say somebody comes into court and they've been want- uh, they've committed the crime of murder. And they come up to the judge and they say, oh, judge, I'm really sorry. I'll never do it again. Please forgive me. And the judge just says, all right, you're forgiven. Get out of here. And there's no repercussions. You'd say, that's a bad judge. You he, would indeed. He hasn't done his job. His job yeah. is to dish out justice. And the reason that he's going to imprison somebody for murder is to discourage other people from committing murder so that you can get rid of murder out of society. And that's what God is doing. Yes. And he's so, getting rid of sin out of the universe. Exactly. And so it, we, can, we can easily point the finger at God and say, hey, how come you just don't Forgive us, you know, but the fact is we've, uh, yeah, violated God's moral law. And so with any breaking of any law, there is always a judicial um, judgment or justice that comes with it. And and of course, if God then uh, was just to forgive randomly, what he's doing is immortalizing evil. And by immortalizing evil, he's, he's he's creating a situation where pain and suffering is going to exist for eternity. And that yes. is not a God of love. And his end goal is to get rid of that, not to further perpetuate it. Mm-hmm. So to merely forgive everything is actually run self-contradictory um, or is counterintuitive to God's ultimate goal, really. So why did God die then? If somebody has to die, um, how does God's death pay the penalty for our sin? Well, I mean, let's, say, let's face it. If I go into court today yes. and I'm up for murder... And let's say my wife loves me very, very much, can't bear for me to go to jail for murder. And so she comes along and says, like, no, I'll take it in his place. The, the judge is not going to, to uh, give it to him. <laughs> They're not going to be convinced, no. No, he's not going to be convinced. He's not going to say, yeah, okay, I'll send, I'll send your wife to jail and you can go free. Yes. Just because she wanted to. What makes the difference when God says, I will pay the penalty? Well, when you read about the the lamb sacrifices, for example, that pointed towards Jesus, they always had to be perfect without mm-hmm. uh, the, the the fancy word is without blemish, but that like really just means no defects, no doesn't look funny. It's perfect and white and pure because it symbolizes the blood of Jesus Christ. Yes, and, and so because it symbolizes the blood of Jesus Christ, then we know that Jesus was perfect; he was sinless. There was no spot or stain on him whatsoever at all in any way, shape or form. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. 
Okay, so Jesus is perfect. Yes. All right. So let's say that uh, here on earth I came along and said, well, you know, my wife has never sinned and she has uh, offered to take this for me, this penalty for me. She has never <laughs> committed murder. She's never done that. Um, but she's offered to take the penalty for me. Um, is the judge going to hand it over? Probably still not. Hey, mm, you're no. me on the ropes this morning. Yeah, Get yeah, out of here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Give this guy a hard time, you see. Uh, these, these, these upstarts, we've got to cut them down to size. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so here's an interesting thought. Let me give you an illustration mm-hmm. that helps us to understand this. And this is an illustration from a long time ago, and it's easier to do illustrations from a long time ago when laws were simpler. There was a governor in a district who had a problem with theft. Okay. And so he introduced mandatory sentencing. Anyone caught stealing, 40 lashes. Oof. That's it. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. Forty lashes is enough to, you know, would kill a person at times. You could, you could forty lashes, and you could see a person's lungs beating through their ribcage. Oh you know, goodness, pumping through their ribcage. So, uh, um, yeah, forty lashes was pretty severe, but it was, you know, it was definitely survivable. Anyway, the very first person to be caught stealing was his very elderly mother. Oh no. <laughs> So you imagine how this caught the attention uh, of the whole community. They're like, what kind of a judge do we have? He's caught between a rock and a hard place. Yeah, yeah. Okay, number one, he can say, well, the law is the law. I have made the law. And if I back down from the law uh, and favor my family, then that's, you know, that's just nepotism mm-hmm. and, and playing favorites. And it's not really just. And, uh, and he will be seen by the community as being weak and somebody who doesn't stand by the laws that he makes. Alternatively, he can send his elderly mother for uh, basically to be executed by beating, to have her beaten to death, Mm. in which case the community is going to say, we have a governor who is so brutal that he would kill his own mother to save his own face. So this, this, this governor, he is between a rock and a hard place. Lose, lose. There is no way out of this. And this is very similar to the situation that God finds himself in. Because God has created a law that says, okay, the wages of sin is death. And the reason that it's death is because I don't want sin in the universe. And human beings come along and sin. He's like, yeah, but I want to save human beings because I love them. But if I just let them off scot-free, then the wages of sin is no longer death. And I'm not a God of love because I'm not interested in getting rid of death out of the universe. Um, but on the other hand, if I just kill you know, millions and millions and billions of human beings, then that makes me, you know, then I'm, I'm pretty harsh and, and heartless and cold as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, so coming back to the governor, the day of the execution of the sentence came and the entire community was absolutely captivated by this situation. And so they all turned up and this was back in the day when they did it in the town square. And so in the middle of the town square, there was a scaffold set up. Um, the whole town was there. You know, there were soldiers that were there that uh, were under the command of the governor to keep the peace and keep the crowd back. But there was a lot of spectators. One of those things that you don't want to see, but that you sort of can't tear your eyes away yeah, from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and and they're all just waiting to see what what kind of a governor do we have? Is he weak and vacillating, and will he favour his own family, or is he just but at the same time cruel and heartless? And so the elderly lady, is she is led forth, and the charges are read out. The evidence is shown. Uh, she was caught red-handed. There's no one disputing what took place. Um, the sentence is read out, and she is led forward to the scaffold to receive her sentence. The whole town is holding their breath. And at this particular time, the governor steps forward. Everybody's looking on. Hmm. What will he do? Yeah. Which way will he go? He's only got two choices. And suddenly... 
he finds a third choice. And he takes off his coat. And he takes off his shirt. And he steps forward and he says, Tie me to the scaffold. I'll take it for her. Now, because he was the one who created the law, Uh. it was his idea. It was his law. He created it. Then he can pay the penalty for it. Mm -hmm. If he had stood there and said to one of his soldiers, hey, you over there, quick, cross over here. Take it for my mother. Would that have been fair? No, not very loving no. either. Okay, so let's, let's, let's look, look at what has happened here. The governor has not backed down in one fraction of a millimetre from the law that he has made. Mm-hmm. So he has been 100% just. At the same time, he has not backed down one fraction of a millimetre from being merciful. He has been 100 100% merciful. Mm. And Jesus, when he died on Calvary, because he was the one who made the law, has been 100% just and he has been 100% merciful. Maybe you've got some thoughts that you would like to share on this. And if you would like to share some thoughts, then give us a call, 1-800-324-843. Or send us a text message, 0491-064-669. And maybe if uh, you've got some questions on why were so many animals killed, or how does the blood of Jesus cleanse us from sin? Why does it? Why, how, how does this all work? Then give us a call. We would love to answer your question. And any other Bible question you have, we have our Q&A section coming up soon. And we're going to choose a question of the day from the questions that come in. So send us your question. We would love to hear what it is that is on your mind today. Now, where are we up to? We're talking about... The subject of the sacrifices. Mm-hmm. Let's talk more about the sacrifices. Okay, let's so how do, does the, wh- wh- why then? Why then? Let's come back to the sacrifices. The Bible says the blood of go- blood and the blood of <laughs> bulls and goats cannot cleanse us. Yes, that's clear. So why did so many die? Well, can I give you a verse and then come back to that? Okay. So uh, in John chapter one and verse. Uh, 29, as Jesus is approaching John the Baptist, mm-hmm. he says, um, the next day... He's oh, I know exactly where you're going. This yeah. is such a good verse. <laughs> this illustrates what I was talking about. Here we go. Buckle right. up, listeners. Yeah, All right. yeah, 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 yeah. says, the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So John the Baptist was one of the few people that understood exactly what Jesus was going to do on earth. Mm. He understood that Jesus was going to die, and in dying that Jesus would gain the victory. That's it, yeah. And I just, I love the fact that the language is so similar from Hebrews, take it for the remission of sins, and then here we have to take away the sins of the world. It's just so, it fits perfectly. Yeah, it, it fits does, nicely. It does, it does. Jesus, who, who is the lamb who will die and take away the sins? Okay, do you know there were two other people that understood what Jesus was doing? And who Jesus was. Okay, I'm going to say this. This is before, of course, he was raised from the dead and explained it to Cleopas and his friend and the rest of the disciples. Yes. But we know the disciples didn't understand because they thought that he would be a, uh, um, you know, on, on, the, on the throne of, uh, of glory here on this earth, ruling over the Romans, etc. Mm. Okay, so there were a couple of other people that, un- there were two others. That understood. Okay. Can you can you uh, scratch the answer? Here's some here's some Bible trivia for you, mate. You yeah, want to go call us right. to get to the answer? I want to know two people who understood exactly who Jesus was and understood that he was actually gaining the victory when he died on Calvary. 
Okay. Uh, my my only guess I can think of, because basically everyone during Jesus' life got it wrong, right? They did. They did. Everyone they got did. it wrong. They so did. I'm, so I'm going to say, and I could be wrong. Could it be, and I think the names were like, some no, Anna and no, 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 no. They don't have names. Na- they don't have names. Ah. <laughs> they don't have names. All right. I was thinking maybe uh, the uh, the prophetess Anna. Yeah. And uh, the prophet Simeon? Simeon. Yeah, I was thinking those. Two. And there's every possibility that they did. The Bible just doesn't say so. Does not clear. Yeah, okay. There's, there's every possibility that they did. Two the two that names. I'm thinking of. Okay. Yes. Okay, the thief on the cross. Number one. Aha, uh-huh, Yep. Yep. So he's dying on the cross. Think about this. He's dying on the cross. He's talking to Jesus, and everybody's like, "Jesus is dying. It's all over." And the thief is like, Jesus is dying. He's going to be in his kingdom. Mm. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. The thief on the cross knows exactly what is going on. And, of course, the other person is the centurion standing at the bottom of the cross. You didn't expect those, did you? We're going to listen to Sandra Enderman, All of Me, at this time.
have been listening to Sandra Enderman, All of Me, here on Faith FM. And we have a caller that has come through. And uh, Andrew has called through with some questions. Andrew, are you there? Andrew, can you hear us? Okay, so we have some... We, we, oh, maybe we'll try and uh, sort that out later, but uh, we do have his questions that have come through, so we will look at his questions here. So we've got a right, couple of really good, good questions that have come through. Okay, so the question here is this. Does God have a justice system? Is he like a judge? Does he call out a sentence on people who break his law? Uh-huh, good question. Yeah, I think this is a very, very valid question because obviously we're looking at um, you know the wages of sin is death and we're looking at mm. how the sacrifice of Jesus stands there in place of us so that we can receive forgiveness of sins. So here's the question. Let's say that somebody comes along and um, they decide that, yes, they've, everybody has sinned and everybody's done some bad things in their life. Does this... Does this person? Um, what happens to a person who's like, yeah, I don't want to have anything to do with Jesus? I don't, you know. Jesus steps forward and says, "Yeah, I'll take the punishment um, for this person." He's like, "Nope, nope, I'm going to take it myself." Well, does it, he have that option? Yeah, yeah, people have that option. And what is the result of that option? Death. That's it. The penalty yeah, is right. death. So it's okay, serious so we've business. Remember, what we've got to remember is this: is God's purpose. Here's what you've got. You've got a universe going back in history. You've got a universe that is perfectly clean. No evil, none whatsoever at all. It's ruled by the government and the law of love. Mm-hmm. Sin comes along. God's purpose now is to get rid of it. He can't get rid of it straight away because if he gets rid of it straight away, then the rest of the universe will be wondering like, yeah, I wonder what that was actually like. Yeah. So he lets it continue for a set period of time so that when he does get rid of it, it never comes back again. So how does God work this? Is he is he like a judge? Does he just sit up there in heaven and say, okay, that guy over there, I'm sentencing him to death, and that guy <laughs> over there, yep, he's saved. Is that how it works? No, uh, because in that illustration, there is no element of choice on behalf of the other person. Mm-hmm. Um, God, when he made humanity and when he made the angels and any other created beings, uh, he gives them this... Uh, he gives them the ability of choice, the ability yes. of free will. Because that's what creates love. The, the power of choice creates love. Yes. Uh, f- yes. To have genuine love necessitates free will. Mm-hmm. And so when God uh, gave his son, Jesus, and then now offers open this uh, way to escape the penalty, yes. well, the penalty has been served for you to be able to no longer have to pay it yourself, that has to be a genuine choice that an individual makes. Mm-hmm. Uh, God doesn't arbitrarily select who who gets in and who doesn't. In mm-hmm. fact, uh, if you go to Ezekiel 18 verses 23 and 32, uh, God says, do I get any pleasure from the death of the wicked? He says, no, <laughs> I don't like it. So he yeah. says, therefore, repent, turn and live. And he goes on uh, to speak a lot more in that chapter about how uh, if you're a wicked person and you turn away f- uh, turn away from your wicked ways and uh, live accordingly with God, God will say, all right, that, you know, uh, you, you, are, you can be saved. You can be exempt from that yes, penalty of yes, death. Yes, and he yes. says, vice versa, a righteous man can all of a sudden choose to turn his back on God and become a wicked person. And, and, it, yep. make, and it makes sense as well when you come into the idea of thinking, thinking of it as a relationship. Mm-hmm. You choose to enter into a relationship with someone, and not only that, you choose to continue that relationship mm-hmm. with an individual person. And so uh, the idea of God, yeah, arbitrarily selecting who gets in and who doesn't really doesn't match up with the character of God. Mm, 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 mm. Absolutely. And what you find is that God's justice system is designed so that, you know, God could, 
God could sit back and say, this person has lost, that person is saved. Mm-hmm. Um, end of story, um, and you're going to have to take my word for it. He could do that because he is sovereign God. Number one, he has the power to do that. Number two, he can do that because he, he knows the heart, he reads the mind, he understands where people are at, and that gives him the ability to be able to do so. But that's not going to build trust, is it? No. <laughs> because like, well, okay, they look like a righteous person, but you've condemned them, and so they're destroyed. Or that looked like a uh, really terrible person, and you're going to save them? Really? Seriously? You're going to put them in heaven? And so I'm going to comment very quickly on God's justice system because not like a judge who just stands back and arbitrarily like, yep, saved, 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 lost, saved, lost. <laughs> you know, that's not how God is working. A wheat tear, um, that kind of thing. That's how um, you know we used to do that when we were kids. We'd sit at the back of the church and like, yeah, that one's a wheat. That one's a tear. <laughs> <laughs> God, God does not work like that. Okay, so how does God work? First of all, God holds His judgment. Before he comes back to this earth, he says, Behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me. So the mm-hmm. judgment takes place before Jesus returns because when Jesus returns, that's when rewards are handed out. Yeah, every, so everyone. The decision of who's saved and who's lost has to take place before then. So that's what's happening right now. The judgment is taking place in heaven right now. This is a good thing. And in that judgment, he is holding it in open court. Mm. So the Bible says in Daniel chapter 7. Uh, verse uh, 9, 10, that uh, a thousand thousands ministered unto him, ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The judgment was set and the books were opened. Mm. So he does this in open court in front of the entire universe so that when he comes to Christopher's name and Christopher's name comes up, he's like, yep, I'm going to save this person. And the universe looking on is like, yeah, actually we can see why. Christopher is covered by the blood of Jesus. There is no sin recorded against his name because he has accepted Jesus Christ. He comes to another person's name and is like, yeah, I'm going to condemn this person. The universe looking on is like, well, they seem to live a good life, but now that we actually see the record of their life, we can see that they rejected you as their saviour, and so we can see that that person is lost. And so there's no question anywhere in the universe when God finally says, okay, that's it, it's done, I'm ending it now. There's no question in anybody's mind in relationship to who is saved and who is lost. Mm. Everybody understands exactly what's happening. And, it, oh, go for it. Just continue. I, no, you go. Okay, yeah. okay. I was just going to say, uh, you mentioned like this idea of the open book as well. Mm. And we read uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2, it says, Or do you, know, do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world is to be judged by you, uh, he goes on in verse 3, he says, do you not know that we are to also judge the angels? Ah, which brings us to a second phase because the disadvantage of what God is doing in heaven right now is that while the universe can see it, we can't. Yes. <laughs> um, and because obviously, obvious reasons. And so what if one of us has a question? Why is this person saved? What are they doing in heaven? Mm. Or where's my best friend? You know, um, this is the, the Bible then speaks about a thousand year period in which um, we sit on thrones and judgment is given to the saints. Yes. And... Um, exactly those verses that you're reading right there will take place where we will have the opportunity then to see through the books of record that God is just and God is merciful and that God is loving and God has made the right decision. And that continues to build the trust as well by God allowing uh, people to see what's going on in those books. It builds up trust and love. Finally, at the end of the thousand years, he raises all of those who have been condemned back to life just to say, hey, if you've got something to say in the judgment, speak now. If there's anything we got wrong, now's your opportunity. And the Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is right, that Jesus is merciful and loving, and Jesus is uh, 100% just and 100% merciful in absolutely everything 
that he does. We're going to talk more about the sacrifices tomorrow, but at this particular time, we're going to listen to Gungor. Please be my strength. Stand my ground, I've tried to understand, but I can't seem to find my faith again. Like water on the sand, or grasping at the wind, I keep on falling short. So please be my strength, please be my strength, cause I don't have any
Hi, I'm Peter Watts, and I'm sure, like me, at some time you have asked these questions. Does God exist? Is there anyone out there? And is God for real? As an atheist for years, my answer to those questions was no. But since then, I've had to reconsider the evidence. Evidence that points to a God of reason, science, love, and hope. I'm inviting you to discover these answers for yourself in my exciting new series entitled, Is God for Real? Beginning 7 p.m. Friday, February 23 at the Walls End Seventh-day Adventist Church. Visit isgodforreal.com.au for more details. That's isgodforreal.com.au. Welcome back to Love Matters with Neil Thompson. And today we're looking in the book of Hosea. And it's a really interesting story. It's, in fact, in many ways, it's just a very tragic story. But it's a story that also gives hope. And in the, in the heart of this story, the prophet Hosea is told to go take a wife. But it's not just an ordinary wife. It's the wife, um, his wife that he was to find was to be a prostitute, someone who actually, yeah, was sleeping around the whole deal. And he was told to love her and to, to care for her and so on. And to have children by her, and so he did. And and after he had children, then at the end of that, she then goes off because she's not used to monogamous relationships. So she goes off and has an affair. And the Lord comes to Hosea again and says, go again and love the woman who is loved by a lover and, and committing adultery. Just go like the love of the Lord for the children of Israel. Go and love her again. And it's like, wow. And the prophet Hosea is just like, wow, that's tough, Lord. That's tough. But in the heart of this, we get an insight into how God is is reaching out and, and loving us and, and wanting to work with us. And in the same time, I think there's it's a beautiful picture of how God wants us. Even when people let us down, God wants us to dig deeper and love again. Jesus put it this way. He said, well, how many times did the disciples ask Jesus, how many times should we forgive? Seven times, you know? That'd be a lot, wouldn't it? Well, Jesus actually said, no, it's not seven times. It's 70 times seven that you should forgive. And the disciples were blown away by that because 70 times seven, well, that's 490 times. And it's like, well, who's going to remember that many? And that was Jesus' point. Jesus' point was don't keep score. Just forgive. If someone comes back and asks for forgiveness, just give it again and and be willing to trust, be willing to, to grow again. Does that mean that we become a doormat for someone, though? Not at all. Because I think in the context of that, what Jesus isn't talking about being in an abusive relationship. He's just saying, hey, if someone is genuine and and comes to you and seeks forgiveness and it's in our power to forgive, then we should forgive. But that doesn't mean we should allow ourselves to be abused by them in the future. But if we apply that to an ordinary relationship with our partner, what we should be willing to do, we should be willing to forgive, we should be willing to work things out, we should be willing to to come together and to say, you know what, I'm sorry, I messed up. And or if um and 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 in response to that that kind of statement, we should be willing to say, Okay, yeah, I forgive you. Let's see if we can work and do this better the next time. Imagine if that was the attitude of your heart. Imagine if that was how you had as your default setting to relationship, which was between each other. Hey, I messed up. I'm sorry. I forgive you. That's okay. Let's work together and get this better. Imagine that in a relationship. And I think that would become a great foundation. And even if you mess up, then like the prophet Hosea, you'd say, the Lord would say to you, well, go and love again, go and reach out again, go and build that bridge again. 
and let the Lord work through you. One thing that um, that I found really helpful in moments like that, where you're tempted to to not forgive, tempted not to to um, you know, where you want to just hang on to resentment for a little bit. Yeah, and hey, it seems weird, but that's really what's happening. I've just found that actually praying about it and just saying, Lord, you've got to do something here. You've just got to take away those feelings and instead replace it with your love. And I've found a really helpful question to ask yourself. Instead of resentment, what is it that you'd really want to have? What kind of relationship would you really want to have? Now, that's the coaching question right there. Tell me about that. Tell me about the quality of relationship. And this is not just for you by yourself, but this is for you with your partner. What kind of relationship would you like to have? Answering that question can then help you begin to have that kind of relationship. Is it a relationship that's where there's mutual love, where there's mutual understanding, where there's mutual sharing, where there's mutual seeking forgiveness and mutual bridge building. So it's not always one person, but it's both of you working on that together. That's a great kind of relationship. And imagine spending a thoughtful moment actually just asking each other, hey, wherever we're at now, what's it going to help? What's it going to take for us to take our relationship to the next level? And what kind of relationship would that look like? So you're, you know, today I guess what we're looking at is the thought that God gave to Hosea, go and love again. Go and look at new ways you can love in your relationship. Go look at new ways you can build the relationship that you want with your partner. Well, you're with Neil Thompson on Love Matters. Stick around on Faith FM. We've got so much more coming up right after this. Open my lips I will sing your praise forever Open my lips, O Lord I will sing your was Fernando Ortega. We've come to our Q&A section of the show today. Ooh, one of my favourite parts of yeah. every radio we do. We had a question that actually came through from Andrew that we didn't get time to cover, so we're going to make it question of the day today. Very nice. And the question is, who killed Jesus Christ? Good question. What is your answer? Well, I think it's really easy to kind of play the blame game and point fingers at people. Uh, it's easy to point your fingers at like maybe the Pharisees. Okay, there's no question. Like, that's who it, who it was. What are, you, what are you talking about? This, this is an easy question <laughs> to answer. <laughs> well, the Pharisees they, killed Jesus. They did dub him in, but then you could also say, well, maybe it was the Romans. Cause well, they were the ones who nailed him to the cross. So, yes, exactly. that's a very correct answer. That, yes, it was the Romans who killed Jesus. But I think maybe we can get a better answer if we go all the way back into Genesis. 
Right. So uh, when Adam and Eve first sinned, a lamb was killed, right, to mm-hmm. take the penalty mm-hmm. of death for them. That's right. And we, uh, as we looked at in the studies before, all these lambs that were sacrificed were all pointing towards or symbolic of Jesus who would eventually die for the sins of the world. Mm-hmm. And so I think Adam and Eve really are kind of representative of humanity in that story. All of humanity has sinned and Jesus died for all of all of the sins of the world committed by all sinners. So really, were it not for yeah, every single person in humanity, all of us who have committed sin, Jesus would have never had to die. So it might be a bit of a... So you killed Jesus? I think I may have <laughs> contributed a little bit, maybe, yes. Okay, so, all right, all right, so we're starting to get a, a bit of a <laughs> yeah. list here. The Pharisees killed Jesus, they condemned him. The Romans killed Jesus because they nailed him to the cross. You killed Jesus because he died for your sins. Mm-hmm. Um, I can tell you who else killed Jesus. Yeah, do tell. Um, in John chapter 2 and verse 19, the Bible says, Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I'll raise it up. Then the Jews said, Forty-six years was this temple in building. This was Herod's temple, of course. And will you rear it up or build it up again in three days? But he spoke of the temple of his body. So who killed Jesus in that verse? Uh, Jesus did. Yeah. He gave his own life. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. And of course, in other places, he says, I have the power to lay down my life and I have the power to take it back up again. That's interesting. I never thought about it like that before. I really like that. Yeah. Okay, so when we look at it, there's a lot of different aspects in the Bible about what the Bible says. Um, the Bible is very clear. Yes, the Pharisees were the ones who tried Jesus and sent him to his death. They were mm-hmm. the ones who found him guilty and sent him to his death. Then you've got Pilate who washes his hands and says, I'm guilty of this man's blood. Um, you guys do it. Well, that doesn't actually, um, you know, water's not <laughs> a great way of dealing no. with guilt. Um because if Pilate had said, no, you can't kill him, then he would not have died. It's that simple. Yeah. And so we could say that Pilate killed him by the sin of omission. Yeah. He omitted to set him free. Then you have the Romans. Definitely it was the Roman soldiers who nailed him to the cross. And so we could say definitely, yes, the Roman soldiers killed Jesus. Uh, we can look at, um, you know, as, as, as the Bible points out in Genesis right there, that Jesus died for your sins and for my sins, and if no human being had ever sinned, Jesus would never have died. And so we all had a role in killing Jesus. And then the Bible says that Jesus gave his own life. Mm. So there's a lot of different aspects to this. It's, a, it's quite deep. It's quite multi-layered. It is. It is. And every different layer teaches you something else about the character of God and who God is. Is Well, our question time went through rather quickly. Maybe you've got a question. If you have a question that you would like to make the question of the day, send us a text message and uh, we will um, answer it for you. 0491-064-669 or 1-800-324-843. Little
When you're content to be yourself You have been listening to Matt and Josie Minicus Little Sparrow Psalm here on Faith FM. We have come to the end of our show and the great thing about the end of our show is that it is not the end of great programming. Nope. It is just a... Maybe people are going to be thankful that we're starting up now and they can get on to listening to some great things. I don't Maybe. know. I hope not. <laughs> anyway, we have something to give away. We always love to give something away at the end of the show. And so here comes our numbers. If you would like to get the free offer today, 1-800-324-843. So get ready to dial because it will go through to the first caller through. Uh, 0491 if you want to send a text message or just shoot us a message on Facebook and we will have it for you. But when you do so, you need to remember two important things. Number one, the title of the thing that we are offering, the free offer, and number two, your name and address so that we can send it to you. Christopher, what do we have today? We have a book called Hero of Hacksaw Ridge. Now, this might sound a bit familiar because a film came out about this, was it last year or the year before? It was... It was, it was a Mel Gibson movie. It was a Mel Gibson movie. So and you know it's going to be... Um, Full of gore. Yes. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's actually very, very realistic and true to life to what actually took place in this story. Yes. Because it is the, one of the most dramatic stories that our Earth has ever seen. It is amazing. And so it follows the story of this soldier uh, called Desmond Doss. Mm-hmm. And he believed his faith, uh, he did not want to take a life in war. Mm-hmm. He believed that uh, God says, do not kill. Therefore, he did not want to take uh, an the life of even an enemy. So he became a medic so he could save lives. Exactly. And so it tells this amazing story of this guy, Desmond Doss, going out into the battlefield and not only uh, being a medic to his side, but helping out people on his enemy's side as well uh, sometimes. And honestly, the, um, the movie was fantastic. This book goes into great detail and gives you heaps more of the story that you don't get to see in the film. And I couldn't recommend it highly enough. Yes, it's a fantastic story. I actually, um, as a young person, grew up reading the... Uh, the extended version of this story, um, we read it as a family together, and it is so dramatic, and particularly in a world where everybody's all, you know, concerned about, you know, the issues of, you know, self-defense and combatancy and uh, and how we approach these kinds of issues in a violent world, this is a breath of fresh air. Somebody who put his faith on the line and said, no, I'm not going to take human life. Okay, so the hero of Hacksaw Ridge, give us a call. Here are our numbers. one 800 324 843 or text us on 0491-064-669. And of course, if you're listening to our delayed broadcast, don't forget you can listen to us live and participate in the show at faithfm.com.au or by using the TuneIn app if you're on the road, in your car, etc., on your phone, uh, Faith FM Australia. We have more great programming coming up right after this. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 and 88. Right across Australia, positively different radio.
crown him with many crowns, the Lamb upon his throne. Hark how the heavenly anthem drowns on music but its own. Awake my soul and sing of him who died for thee, and hail him as thy matchless king. Through all eternity Crown Him the Lord of love Behold His hands and sigh Rich wounds yet visible above in beauty glorified, no angel in the sky can fully bear that sight, but downward bends his burning eye at mystery so
separate